Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Lord God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, Lord. For the reminder that we need to be here amongst each other. Lord, to be in community. Lord, for our hearts, I ask that you'd open them. Lord, I ask that you'd challenge us this morning. Speak to us where we're at. Remind us at the end of the day that you still love us. No matter the grave sins. Thank you for your love. In your name we pray. Amen. So this morning's passage is uh, a pretty famous passage, actually, right? Uh, David and Bathsheba, and, and I know you've heard the story. I know you know what happens in this story. And so I'm going to ask you to look um, for those moments in this story, because we're going to talk about them, uh, those moments where things go wrong. Uh, because the reality is that, for the most part, we don't set out to just sin for something to do. We're trying to do the right thing, and yet... Sometimes we put ourselves in positions, in places we shouldn't be. Sometimes we are, we are in those spots. Sometimes we make bad choices. And this, uh, I should have titled the sermon, uh, Sin in Three Easy Steps. Because we're going to talk about those three steps. Those three things that David does that just are poor de- decisions that he makes. Second Samuel chapter 11, it says, In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army, and they destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, that she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. And she came to him, and he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanliness. And she went back home, and the woman conceived and sent word to David, I am pregnant. So David sent word to Joab, send me Uriah, the Hittite. And Joab sent him to David, and Uriah came with him. David asked how Joab was, how the soldiers were, and how war was going. And then David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace, and a gift from the king was sent after him. But Uriah slept at the entrance of the palace with all the master's servants and did not go down to his house. David was told, Uriah did not go home. So he asked Uriah, haven't you just come from a military campaign? Why didn't you go home? Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah are staying in tents, and my commander Joab and my lord's men are camped in the open country. How could I go to my house and eat and drink and make love to my wife? As surely as you live, I will not do such a thing. Then David said to him, Stay here one more day, and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem the day, And the next, in David's invitation, he ate and drank with him, and David made him drunk. But in the evening, Uriah went out to sleep on his mat among his master's servants. He did not go home. 
In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. In it he wrote, Put Uriah out in front where the fighting is fiercest, then withdraw from him so that he will be struck down and die. May God add his blessing as we continue singing this morning. Pray. Lord God, thank you for this morning. Lord, we recognize that uh, there is no place to be where you can't be or you can't see or you won't be with us. In some ways, that's scary for those areas where we fail. And yet it's comforting in those areas, Lord, where we feel alone to know that you are with us. Lord, open our hearts. Give us wisdom this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. If you're a child, you can run. Woo. See ya. Peace. If you're not a child and you like to run, have at it. You want to run, Dan? He doesn't want to run. Hey, it works. Good. Every week I get up here, I remember that the battery light says, ah, you're about to be out. It's flashing red. But every week it works, so we just keep, you know. One of these Sundays is going to be like, eh. I'll be begging Miranda to push the button for me, huh, Miranda? So today's, today's passage, I, uh, before I start the sermon, I, wanna, I do want to clear up one piece. This sermon was chosen in January, all right? When I, I have been for a couple years working on uh, a plan for a series about David's life, trying to look at... Uh, how David started out in very um, simple, uh, just a shepherd boy, and worked his way to be the king. Uh, and some of the trials and tribulations, some of the victories and the failures. And, and so, obviously, this is in, uh, in the top of David's uh, list of stories that we know about him. And I just need you to know that even though it might feel, by the time we get to the end of this, that, like, you picked that this week because you knew something happened in my life, or whatever, you know. It has been chosen since January. I didn't know how or when, what day it would actually be preached. Um, but the list has been, this is like number 8 or 10 on a list of like 12 or 13. And so it has been, actually, if you've noticed, we've kind of worked our way through 2 Samuel, uh, trying to get a sense of David's life. And, get a, and if you haven't noticed, there's been a lot of ups and downs, right? From a, from a young shepherd boy who becomes uh, heir to the throne to to becoming the king, and, and we recognize a few things towards the end of his life that maybe we don't like as much. And a few of those things towards the end are those things where there's some failure in his life. Has anybody, anybody ever had failure in their life? Ah, good, good. They even got a couple in the balcony. Right? We all have experienced failure. And David's failure is moral failure, right? And so this, this, this story makes the top 10. This, this is one of those ones we know. And I think for some of us, it's almost a little fun to talk about this one, right? Because we, like, we know David is on top of the list, right? Of like good guys of the Bible. 
And so when we see these, we're like, oh, even David messed up, right? So I want to challenge you that if you, if you think I'm talking to you specifically, um, we, we like to call that the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is working in, in and around our lives. And, and uh, sometimes it does uh, uh, hit our heart right where we have been or right where we are. And, and that's okay. So today we're going to talk about the three easy steps to sin, right? Maybe that's a little bit backwards because we're not going to talk about um, the positives as much as what went wrong in the life of David. And, you, and we know this story, right? And the overarching story is David, David's not where he belongs, right? He sees a beautiful woman taking a bath, makes a very poor decision. As he pays for it, what happens? He does a cover-up, right? I'm the king. I am above all of those things. And so you know what I'll do? I'll cover it up. Well, that didn't work. So he makes even a worse decision. And that worst decision is, I'll take your eye out. Did you catch real quick at the end of that, did you catch that Uriah actually carried the, his own death note? Right? And you're like, well, why didn't he read it? Right? I bet you probably think, why didn't he read the note? Well, he, and it was, it, was, it was sealed, right? It would, have been, it would have been a sealed note going to Joab. Wouldn't have been, wouldn't have been something, he, he would have died if he'd opened it. But, but think about that. Hey, take this to Joab. <laughs> it's your death sentence. Merry Christmas. Three easy steps to sin. The first step is he's in the wrong place at the wrong time. Or maybe he's, if you want to sin, he's in the right place at the right time. The scripture starts out and says, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war. Right? We don't live in, a, in this, in this uh, community like they did then, but the king would lead the army. He would be out with his uh, troops. He would be an example. He would be part of the fighting man. We know that David's uh, uh, prowess was, you know, uh, was to, to be able to kill people, and he was really good uh, as a uh, managing wars. And for whatever reason, we get a sense. I don't know if you saw the, if you happen to see the sight and sound version of David, which it was, I think, last year. Um, you get a real sense in that in that play, that live play that David was wore out, that there was a lot of wars going on, and David was kind of wore out, um, wasn't sleeping real well. I, I mean, that's their rendition, but it makes some sense to me that he, he was kind of tired, that life was kind of overwhelming, and he didn't go with his military uh, to go out in the spring. And that's the very first mistake he makes. He's in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I want to ask you those questions. Do we put ourselves in the wrong place at the wrong time? Do we allow ourselves to be in a spot that we know is not healthy or good for us? If you're old, you know what that means, right? Right? One bad apple, uh, right? It's all about who we're hanging out with. 
Who, who are you spending time with? Uh, to me, it's the one big piece of our faith community. When, when people come to Christ, I think it's the biggest piece of helping people understand how to grow. It's building into a faith community. It's finding people that are like-minded. If you don't want to drink, you can't go to the bar, right? One of, the, one of the biggest struggles for someone who's dealing with addiction is the fact that they have to get out of the environment to be able to survive and find new friends that don't do what they were doing. That's honestly the biggest struggle in addiction. Once you get clean, it's staying clean, staying sober. So I'll, I'll ask you, what environment are you putting yourself in? What are those things that you do on a weekly basis, a daily basis, a monthly basis, that, that you're putting yourself in the middle of something that's not healthy? And then you ask yourself, why am I not growing in my faith? And let me challenge you that, that I would be willing to bet that God has already put something on your heart. Right? That God has already, you know, because it's simple and it's easy. And I'll give you an example. I've used this example I, I used to go, I love bear hunting. I used to go bear hunting. And I enjoyed that, that time away. But it wasn't a good environment. For reasons, I'll, I'll just, it doesn't matter why. It wasn't a good environment. And I would come home and I would realize really quickly that trying to come back home to my family and be the family Christian man that I was called to be wasn't very easy because I put myself in the spot. It wasn't the healthiest thing. And I learned that I had to walk away from that. It doesn't mean I can't go bear hunting, but it, it meant that I needed to get away from that group. Because in that group, in that environment, it wasn't healthy for me. And I, and I came to the realization, like, I'm going to either serve God or serve my selfish desires. And so I'll ask you, are you in those spots? Are we stuck in those spots and those activities and those things that continue to draw us away from God? And then we ask ourselves, God, why aren't you working in my life? First Corinthians reminds us that bad company corrupts good morals. We're reminded that who we hang out with matters, right? My friends aren't perfect. My church family isn't perfect. My family isn't perfect. But who I hang out with makes a difference in how I respond. There may be people even in your family that are toxic that you have to limit your time with. And that's okay. Understand who leads the charge. Who's in control of your life. If it will lead you down a road of sin. Being in the wrong place at the wrong time. David would never have even known who Bathsheba was had he done the right thing. Had he gone to war with his army. He might have met Uriah and been best friends. And we see how ugly this thing gets how quickly it gets ugly. Let me challenge you. You know, I, I hear lots of stories about how things don't go well in people's lives, and I ask myself this question. So how did we get here? 
right? It doesn't automatic. It just doesn't like poof, and then I'm in the middle of a mess. Very rarely does that happen. It's 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 steps. One step to the next step to the next step. Oh man, I made a bad choice back here, and now I have to live with the choices I'm making. Let me challenge you. We have a Holy Spirit. If you're a believer in Christ, if you're following after Jesus, you have a Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit reminds us. It, it challenges us. It encourages us. It forces us to make a decision. And all too often, we don't want to make a change. We're like, but I, I want to do this, and I can't. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll influence them. Let me challenge you. Very rarely do we influence them. Be careful, Christians, where you put yourself. Be careful. Because all too often we put ourselves in a spot, and then we're like, oh, I don't like how this turned out. Right? Nobody likes it, right? It's awful quiet this morning. I don't get any feedback. I'm getting any noise this morning, right? That's okay. That's okay. Because I think what happens is once in a while we get a sermon that's like, yeah, this one I, I told uh, Brentley or Chris someone this morning. I said, this one's, this one's going to feel a little too close to home. And it feels close to home to me too. So don't, don't think I'm pointing my finger at you. I'm, um, I, I'm, I'm challenging myself to ask myself, am I in the right place when I need to be? Am I with God's people? Or am I trying to do my own thing? And, and when are those spots where I sin because I let myself get there? Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Let me challenge you. that The second easy step for David was that he acted on... Uh, what he saw. So obviously, David's hanging out at home on top of the palace. I don't know if he's doing laps. I don't know. Maybe at a workout out there. I don't know. Whatever he's doing, right? And Bathsheba's taking a bath. We can only assume she was naked, right? Saw something he liked. She's beautiful. And where does he make the second bad choice? He sends someone to find her, right? Hey, go figure out who that uh, beautiful girl is right there, right? And he's the king. So anything goes for the king, right? We, we can say, well, she's a married woman, and why would she? She didn't have a choice. There's a power differential that's huge. She didn't have a choice. She was, she was going to uh, have to listen. We live in a different world now than they did then. But she didn't have a choice. There's a power differential that's humongous. He's the king. He can take you out by just saying, gone, right? So David says, who is that beautiful woman? Who is she? Oh, I think that's uh, Bathsheba. I think that's her name. Ah. And here's where he makes the bad choice. Right? Go get her. Go get her. Maybe we can have a cup of coffee together. 
That's not probably what he said, right? He's the king. We recognize, though, that his, his choice, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And then he made a terrible choice by acting on a, a desire, a feeling he had. And I want to challenge you that the things in our lives are choices. We make choices. And they're choices to make. And, and we cannot always blame them on someone else. And I think one of the, the biggest challenges uh, to sin is that we won't take credit for our sin. We won't take credit for the reality that we fall short, that we failed. And when we sang that last song, it talked about uh, God always is, uh, is around us and knows who we are and, and what we're doing. And I think that's one of the challenges of, in, in the walk of faith. We're like, I think I can do this in the dark, and I think I can do this hiding, and I think I can do this behind closed doors. No one will know what's going on. Remember, you have a choice. And when the Holy Spirit reminds you that it's a bad choice, and you act on it, it's still a bad choice. It's still sin. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God who gives it generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. How often do you ask God for wisdom about decisions you're making? Or do you cry on his shoulder after you make the wrong decision, have to suffer and uh, pay for it, and then you say, God, I didn't like this answer. How often do we proactively say, God, there is this thing in front of me. There's this Bathsheba in my life, whatever it is. What do, I, what do you want me to do with this? What is it that I should do? What, what are you asking me to do with this? How do I deal with this situation? Whatever it is, right? Lord, there's a new job, and it's right here. Oh, man, it's more money, right? It's a new car. It's right here, and there's, I got the money. How often do we ask God what we should do in our next step, in our next step? A lot of times we're asking for forgiveness after we've made that choice. But how about we ask God for the decision before we make a poor decision. See, because here's what happens if we're willing to do that. And we all know, right? We all know that if we ask that question and the Holy Spirit says, yo, dude, run. And we're like, okay, now I really have a choice to make because God said, get out of here, go the other way. But I want it, right? I want it. Let me challenge you. To ask God about those desires in your heart. To ask God about what you should do, about the direction of your life, about moving in a, in a certain way. If we seek God, the one cool part about God is he's going to show up. He's going to be a part of your life if you let him in. If you don't, then you're running on your own. right? You might be a believer, but if you choose not to listen... You're not listening to the Holy Spirit work in your life. I can promise you this. If you don't let God lead, you will make poor decisions. 
right? You're going to make those decisions that you know that, that God doesn't want you to make. And here's what happens. We become numb. We become numb to the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit's almost like a whisper, and sometimes, sometimes we hear it. But if we do it long enough, we just kind of ignore that voice. Right? We just choose not to hear the Holy Spirit working in our life. The Holy Spirit's like, don't go there. Don't do that. That's only going to lead to problems. It's only going to give you more struggles. It only adds to the issues you already have. Don't do that. If David would have listened, if David would have thought this through from a practical, practical perspective, he would have quickly realized that this was not going to end well. It was going to end badly, right? And we see it, it ends badly. He wouldn't have acted on his desires. He wouldn't have ended up sinning. He wouldn't have had to cover it up. Uriah wouldn't have had to die. Uriah died for what? For being faithful to David? Third step. Third step to sin in three easy steps is to cover it up. David tries. Did you catch, did you catch that David tries? David's like, hey, bring her husband back. You know what he's after, right? He's asking, he's asking uh, Joab to send Uriah back so that Uriah will go and sleep with his wife. Because she's already pregnant. And it's going to be pretty hard for her to be pregnant if Uriah's been on the front uh, lines for the last six or seven or nine months. And so David tries to cover this mess up. He's like, and he invites Uriah to come back. And he says, go see your wife. You haven't seen her in a while. He doesn't tell her that she's beautiful. But he says, go see your wife. And then he finds out Uriah doesn't even go in the house. He won't sleep with his wife for absolutely the best reasons, right? It's like all my, all my mates, all my, my people in the military, all the people I'm with, the ark is out there sleeping in tents, and I will not go and sleep with my wife because of the situation. So David tries another round, right? Because that was round one. Another round, right. And he gives them lots of rounds, right? I got an idea. I'll get her drunk. And then I'll send him home. And he won't have any discretion. And he'll go and sleep with his wife. And then he'll believe that that's his child. And I will walk away from this mess clean. Uriah again will not sleep with his wife. It's like the young and the restless, is it not? <laughs> it really is. It's pretty ridiculous if you think about it. I mean, but David's, David's in a pickle, right? And he needs to get out of this mess, and he can't, can't make it all disappear, and so he tries to figure out a way to cover it up. And when Uriah won't go and sleep with his wife, he realizes quickly that, you know, there's no way to stop uh, this boulder from rolling down the hill, and it's about to get ugly. And it's going to get real ugly. 
and the clock is ticking backwards from nine months to however, however many months they are when they get to this point. And he quickly realizes that if he doesn't do something more drastic, it's going to get ugly. And his reputation will be tarnished. And so he says, I got an idea. Now, mind you, the king makes all the decisions. How would you like to be the leader of the army taking out, uh, fulfilling this peace? Put your eye at the front and then back away. <laughs> well, yeah, he probably, he probably had some dirty laundry as well. And they knew that this was the easy way to take out Uriah. And the blood was on David's hands. It was on his hands for his sin. Now, I don't know about you, but my sense is that you're feeling a little bit of the guilt of your sin. Just like I feel a little of the guilt of my sins. You may feel like I'm talking to you, but it's not me, it's God. It's the Spirit that tells us and guides us and leads us in our life. And I want to remind you of the verse we talked about last week. It says, whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point has become guilty of all. It's a reminder. That reminds me that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Right? We all are in the same spot. None of us are, are clean. None of us are lily white. None of us can point our finger at someone else. Right? The old, the old, you point the finger, there's three pointed back at you. Right? You know that story. Each of us have guilt because we each have sinned. And that sin is, is, is heavy. It's heavy to our lives. It burdens us. And it should burden us. Because it hurts God. It's what sent Jesus to the cross. You understand that, right? David's sin would send Jesus to the cross. Your sin sent Jesus to the cross. My sin sent Jesus to the cross. And we all have it. So if someone's pointing their finger at you, well, they need to point their finger at themselves. We recognize that David has a lot to deal with in this story, and we don't get all of that. But I want to encourage you to get a chance to read Psalm 51. We're going to actually sing it as, the, uh, uh, as we leave today. Psalm 51 is the psalm that David writes after he's found out. And there's a lot of good pieces of that, right? Nathan, Nathan comes to him and says, and he tells him the story about a guy who has a sheep. And uh, Nathan is, is there to just share with David, hey, you're ma you're making, you made a grave mistake and you need to come to terms with this. And in the process of that, David, uh, he loses a son. It's a mess. 
David's, David's family is dysfunctional at best. And in the further years, we see David's dysfunction. His family um, isn't all that. But in Psalm 51, at, towards the end, it says, Restore to me your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. You see what David, David at this point, further down the road, recognizes his sin was awful. His failure was terrible. That he murdered someone in the process. He shamed Bathsheba. He shamed his own name. But he recognizes this. Let me learn from this, God. That I can teach others not to do this. I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back. That's us. And anyone else who's ever read Psalm 51. You may be feeling that uh, seems a bit quiet this morning, a bit heavy. I want to challenge you that God hasn't given up on you. He hasn't walked away from you. He hasn't given up on you. He still loves you, and he loves you very much. I got a, I wanna, uh, I got a song that I want to play this morning, and I just want you to spend a, a, a couple minutes of reflecting, and then we're going to close in prayer. And the, and the, sto- and the song is just uh, is a pretty powerful reminder of, that, of the love that Jesus has for each one of us. Go ahead, Brian.
shame and a failure of struggles and yet we serve a God who forgives our sins and so I want to offer this morning as we pray and we'll uh, take the offering and sing the last song and there'll be an opportunity for you uh, to come to the altar and lay at God's feet whatever is between you and him I'd pray with you if you want if you don't want, that's fine too. I don't need to have any clue about what you're talking to him about. It doesn't matter. But let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for your word. Uh, even those hard passages like today. Those hard passages where we watch someone fall flat on their face. And suffer the consequences. Go to extreme... Uh, events to try to uh, cover the plane, the mess up. Lord, I thank you for David, David's honesty as he moves through life and figures out the sin that was right in his face. Lord, I thank you for your forgiveness most of all. For each one of us have sin that gets in between you and us. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for your care. Thank you for the reminder, Lord, that no matter what, we can call upon you. You'll never turn your back on us. In your name we pray. Amen. <laughs> 